Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again for our radio audience here in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com. We're glad that you all can be with us. Also, it's joining us for online affiliates around the world via our podcast. We got you all could be with us as well. For those who are joining us live, it is Pub Week for our next guest, and I'm really excited to talk to her about her brand-new book I had a chance to read. Jacqueline Freeland is here today to talk about her book, The Stockwell Letters. We'll talk to her not only about her own love of history, but what it was like for her to be able to share this story, the different layers of the characters, and what it's been like for her to already see the way that readers are responding to it. If you'll just know hearing about the Sockwell Letters, I'll let you know how to get your own copy of it. Jacqueline, thank you again for the time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, the pleasure is definitely all mine. I, I'm always excited for one to get get advanced copies of books so I can read them before release date, but also to talk to the author to kind of share the experience of the release. I want to talk about that first. What has it been like for you to see the early response to the Stockwell Letters? So it's been really awesome. Uh, publishing is a, often a very slow industry, so this book has been finished for for quite a while. And I, all this time, I've been waiting for it to go out into the world. And, you know, people were able to download it on their Kindles yesterday. People who pre-ordered books came, then were arriving at the homes of friends and, you know, other readers. And I was seeing photos appear online. And it's, um, it's this really surreal feeling when something that kind of existed only inside my brain is now in other people's homes all across the country. Well, yeah, and and I think that has to be the reward of the time, <laughs> the effort, um, and the hurry up and wait that is your industry, Jacqueline. I've gotten so used to hearing about because you know you've lived with these characters, you live with the story, and now all of us get to enjoy it. So, how does it all begin for you? What was it about this time period, about these individuals, that made you say you wanted to be able to write about them? So this is my fourth novel, and um, I've written one other historical fiction and then two contemporary fiction. And when I was researching for that first historical fiction novel, I stumbled onto the story of a man named Anthony Burns who um, escaped slavery in the 1850s and reached Boston, but he was captured in Boston, which was already – Massachusetts was already a free state – and he became the subject of a trial where the people of the South were demanding that he should be returned under the Fugitive Slave Act uh, to slavery. And the people of the North were saying, no, we're a free state and we're not you know, following laws of a different state. And it became a national sensation. And this man was wildly famous throughout the U.S. And he's been he props, he cops, pops up in literature from all these other famous people of the time, like Harriet Tubman and Abraham Lincoln and um, the transcendental poets like Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I'm reading about it and thinking, you know, I have two advanced degrees. I've studied a lot of history. And yet here's this person I've never heard of. How is this possible? However, um, as fascinated as I was, I, you know, moved on to other projects and kind of thought I was going to just stick with contemporary fiction But then um, the story just nagged at me, and I kept thinking, like, you know, there's this story from history that nobody knows that's never really been told, and somebody's got to tell it. 
And then when COVID lockdown started and I was stuck at home and I was watching all this frightening news about how, you know, we're all going to die. I, um, I felt like I, I was almost af- afraid to live in our world at the moment. And so I decided it was a really good time for me to dive back into the research about Anthony Burns and go and live in his world for a little bit. And um, while I was doing that, I discovered other people who had been involved in his fight for freedom, in particular, a network of white abolitionists in the North. And there was a woman named Ann Phillips, whose husband became very famous as an abolitionist. And the more I read about Ann, I realized she was actually the one doing so much of the work. And she's been largely lost to history. And then when I saw the way that her story intersects with this man, Anthony Burns, I just knew it was like the book was writing itself. I had to just get it out there. That's amazing. I have to say I had not remember hearing about any of these individuals, uh, Jacqueline, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. others will feel the same way. But I think that's why we love conversations like this. That's why we love books like this and the opportunity to learn, right, about others. Could you have imagined, though, when you started this project, even, you know, in first, you know, being able to think about Anthony Burns and thinking about his story, could you have imagined, though, that you would be able to craft something that would make it so real, and I must say so timely to what we're kind of going through right now in the world? Um, Well, no, I could not have imagined it, and that was part of why I didn't do it sooner. It just seemed like I didn't want to tell the story unless I could do it justice. And um, that said, once I, once I sort of committed to it, I got so deep into the research that I was finding old reprints of old news articles and court transcripts and letters written in the original handwriting, you know, photographs um, or scans wow. of these old letters. And, and I will tell you that old-fashioned script is so hard to read. But, uh, but I powered through, and I got the cursive letters down just as well as the others. And... Um, I will say that one, you asked me earlier about the early reception to the book, and one thing that people are repeating over and over is, this is not a period of history I had ever learned much about. And it fascinates me because I actually have learned a lot about the abolitionist period, whether, you know, when I was in high school, when I was in college, those those were focuses of study for me. But even so, I hadn't heard this particular story. And so, um, it's been it's been great for me to get to sort of delve into it anew. Right. I want to get into what I really appreciated about the book, Jacqueline, and that is, and I want to say for those who are just tuning in on the radio side, you all are listening to Conversations Live. Jacqueline Freeland is our guest. We're talking about her brand new book just out this week, if you guys are joining us live, The Stockwell Letters, um, featuring some individuals uh, from history that may or may not be familiar to you, Anthony Burns, and also uh, another individual, Ann Phillips. I want to talk about the, the Ann for a second, because what I thought was so interesting, again and timely, Jacqueline, and it really goes to that saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same, how here you have someone like Anne, someone like her husband, who are trying to do the right thing in a situation where the right thing is not looked at as being the right thing, right? And and it really is, it goes to what we see so much today of people feeling as something being taken away from them. Uh, and and I, I, I really appreciated that in reading this book that even in spite of challenges, because as we've kind of gone through the past few years, you know, there have been things happening with 
you know, sickness and different things, you know, this time period shows how that impacts others too. Talk to us about what that was like for you to see how Anne was in a not only a situation as a woman doing what she was doing, Mm -hmm. but not in an easy situation even, you know, in her family and in in her community doing the work that she felt like was the right work. Well, it was it was really interesting as I was working on the book because after COVID had started and we were then um, I was about you know making headway um, in my my outlines and my plots and then the Black Lives Matters protests began and I'm reading about these race riots back in the 1850s that were occurring as there were race riots happening you know in 2020 um, all over again and then I'm reading about the diametrically opposed political parties back in the 1850s and, you know, against North and South and free and slave, et cetera. And then we've got our diametrically opposed political parties now. And then uh, fast forward a little bit and you've got the um, overturning of Roe v. Wade. And now states are arguing over whether the laws of one state can apply in the laws of another state. And which is exactly what was happening with the Fugitive Slave Act back in 1854. And it's, um, I want to say disheartening to see the way that our society runs in circles. And while the issues, the specific issues may be different, the overall picture is largely unchanged. And I found that uh, to be both eye-opening and disturbing. And as far as how it affected Anne, for sure, she was actually quite wealthy and um, high, could have been very high society in Boston, but they, at the time, it was not sort of en vogue to be in favor of abolition, even in the North, because many of the Northern merchants had to get their supplies from the South, and if slave labor were gone, um, it would increase the price and the cost of everything that needed to be purchased by these northern factories and, you know, to be to make the clothing and the sugar and whatever else they were producing. So, um, so Anne was not, she was not a social, uh, a huge social success, but she, she really believed in her convictions. And she had a small group of people who felt the same and it was enough for her. Yeah, it was enough for her, and and still though at great cost. And I think that we kind of yeah. see that reminiscent of the world we live in today. I want to say again for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. Jacqueline Friedland is joining us today. She's the author of the new book, The Stockwell Letters. I'm going to remind you all how you can get your own copy of it and stay connected with Jacqueline as well. You know, this is not a political show, uh, Jacqueline. In in the 20 years that I have hosted this show, it's never been that. But I think it's so fascinating in reading this book how one of the thoughts I had when I was prepping for your segment is this is why we need to know history. Because I think there is the danger of if you don't know history, you don't realize what is being repeated. I'm curious for you, again, in not only researching this book but now discussing this book in the climate that you yourself just described, in the climate that others will recognize, what that's been like for you to to kind of think again how that fits into the conversations today about Uh the importance of knowing history. Um, Well, I I do agree with you uh, deeply that knowing history is so important. It's the only way to to have hope that we don't repeat the same mistakes over again. Um, But you're right that the climate, you know, I 
there are so many issues that arise in the book that are still pertinent today and so many people who feel very sensitive about many issues on and you know on both sides of the issues so i really tried in writing the book i was not you know making any political statements so much sure. as just showcasing the human condition and relationships and how difficult circumstances could lead to to various outcomes that you know could could pull on the heart right right and i want to be clear i, I wasn't i wasn't in any way trying to imply that I, that i thought you were <laughs> were trying to, no, to make I a know. statement I know. yeah but i but i do it is it is very fascinating though considering again the conversations we're hearing and what you know what both of us said about not having heard of these people and it, you know and then of course again that going to we have the opportunity to learn about them which again is the importance of knowing history being able to research history so i'm curious then now that you have written this book and now that you have brought to life Anne and Anthony and, and, and Wendell and others for us, what was it like for you to let them go? Oh, I, I haven't let them go. <laughs> um, I still, I, once I have these characters in my head, they do come to life and they stay with me. And I really feel there will be moments where I'll see something and say, say in my mind, oh, Wendell would love that. And then I have to remind myself that he's not actually still a living, breathing person. Um, So I I get, I can't write a character until I really know that person and who they are. And it makes them so lifelike to me that they, they stay with me. Yeah. It is, of course, a story that has to do with Freedom, and I thought freedom was an interesting thing in this book because it wasn't just about Anthony. In some ways, it was about Anne and those who were trying to do the right thing as well. What was it like for you to see freedom as a character in this book, Jacqueline? That is an excellent question. Um, so when I started the book, I felt very much that it was a story about Anthony's quest for freedom. And it wasn't really until after I had a draft that I saw that the, many of the women in the book were living it somewhat um, as not, not prisoners of their husbands, but sort of at the will and whim of their husbands. Right. And they were lacking the freedom that many women enjoy today. And yet they were, they were creative and they strong and they came up with ways to do what they needed to do in spite of that, which, you know, those who were enslaved did not necessarily have the power to do in the same way. But, um, you know, it, it was an interesting time in history because in a, there were so many marginalized, oppressed groups of society. And while, while the slavery aspect gets, you know, top billing because it's sort of the most egregious, um, the it was interesting to explore all the different ways that other people worked, whether it was people with unpopular political positions or women or girls or what or even I didn't go so deep into it into the book, but even immigrants, um, you know, there were all these different aspects at play. Right. I want to talk about the title of the book for a second, The Stockwell Letters, because it goes to another point, again, about the time, but also about the importance, mm-hmm. though, of the written word and the importance of language and being able to communicate. Talk to us about that and what it's like for you to incorporate letters in this in this book. So the 
the letters that I actually was more wrapped up in was Anthony at one point is in a slave prison and he's writing letters to uh, people on the outside to let them know where he is and, you know, to, to beg for help. And um, those letters sort of touched my heart really deeply, but it's the, the letters that I call the Stockwell letters, which I don't, with no spoilers, um, are sort of at the heart of, at, toward the end of the book, there's this great caper to help Anthony escape or try to escape, and the Stockwell letters are at the heart of that. And um, it's for sure, I mean, you know, it was the only way they were communicating were notes and letters and speeches and pamphlets. And um, it was it was a different time. And the grammar of these people was so impeccable. And I, I must say that as a grammar nerd, I had I took great joy in getting to write in their voices and, and use proper language throughout the book. So that was right. a treat for me. I, I want to read something, and I don't think it spoils anything, uh, Jacqueline, from the book from Anthony. And it, it goes to such a bigger point that, again, makes this book so timely. And this is what what is in one of the letters that I think is, is so interesting. You have used your liberty of speech freely in exhorting and rebuking me. You are aware that I, too, am now where I may think for myself – and can use great freedom of speech too, if I please. I, I thought that was so interesting about the power again of the word, but the power mm-hmm. that we all have. So I'm curious, outside of the reader being engaged in the story, what do you hope they remember? Mm-hmm. What do you hope we remember about the freedom of speech that we have and the importance of using it? Um, well, first, I do just want to say that those words you just read are actual. It's Anthony did actually write those words. I they were not altered by me in any way. Um, and I think the the message that I would want people to take away and remember would probably just be about the strength of the characters, um, Anthony and Anne in particular, and how. There, it was their small acts made such a difference in the lives of the people around them. And, you know, Anthony continued to use his speech to sort of preach freedom and teach people about what was happening in the South long after um, he got to the North. And, and Anne, you know, her words, she wrote these speeches for her husband, Wendell, that led Wendell to be regarded, they called him the golden trumpet of abolition because he was such a gifted public speaker when, in fact, it was Anne who was probably yeah. writing these words for him. So I think, I think the spoken and written word can be very powerful, and I think people should remember it. Such a great point and such a great conversation with you, Jacqueline. Again, everyone, Jacqueline Freeland has been our guest. Her new book is called The Stockwell Letters. It's out now. You can get it through our friends at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore if they don't have it. I know they'd be more than happy to order for you. It is published by our friends at Spark Press, always giving us great books. Jacqueline, really appreciate you stopping by and spending some of your your release week with us. How can our audience hmm. stay connected with you? Um, so they can follow me on Instagram. Um, at Jackie Friedland, or they can find me at my website, JacquelineFriedland.com. And, uh, yeah, those are probably the two best ways. Well, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate it. And looking forward to speaking with you again. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. 
glad to do it. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Thank you, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care. <music>